What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. This episode is an interview of me by podcast host Blake Mallon. Now, Blake Mallon is a billion-dollar brand builder, a community marketing expert, accomplished TEDx speaker, and the host of the popular Alive by Design podcast. He has spent decades turning ideas into iconic, healthy lifestyle brands that have transformed millions of lives around the world. In this episode, you hear me going on Blake's show to talk about my background, my story, and so many other topics that I haven't covered in a long time on this episode. If you're new to the show and you haven't listened to The Brendan Burns Show in a while, it might be a good refresher or help you understand my background, what I've overcome to get to the position that I'm in today. And if you're a longtime listener, you'll hear updates, including my move from New York to California. You'll hear about how the book No More Mr. Nice Guy had a big impact on my life. We talk about travel. We talk about lifestyle design. It was a great conversation. Blake is easy to talk to, a great host, and like I said, his show is called Alive by Design. But in this episode that follows, you hear me on his show. Enjoy the ride. Well, welcome, everybody. Thank you for plugging in. I am so excited about our conversation tonight and who I have the privilege of introducing to all of you. I know tonight's conversation is going to offer a ton of value, no matter who you are right now as an entrepreneur, as an executive, as someone right now that's maybe looking to shift or change maybe your career direction with everything going on in the world, or maybe someone that's just looking to up-level your life, right? You know, find a way to move toward your potential, experience more joy and happiness, or overcome maybe some things that are being thrown in front of you right now, I know that tonight's guest is going to have a chance to offer a ton of real value real insight, and real wisdom that comes from some deep experience. Um, So a little bit of background, guys, tonight we're going to have a chance to meet Brendan Burns, um, someone who by by day is known as a high-performance strategist. Um, He's a keynote speaker. He's a fellow podcast host. We'll talk about the podcast a little bit in our conversation tonight, but actually started as a former Wall Street executive, gone entrepreneur that now spends his life and his energy really focusing on transforming individuals um, and companies to maximize potential. And we'll dive into that word and unpack that word a lot in our conversation tonight, potential and how we move toward that, and both in business and in life. So today, 
you'll see Brennan, uh, he could be talking to, you know, some of the most recognized brands. He works with Fortune 100 companies, you know, investment banks, some big corporations, all the way to maybe professional sporting teams, C-level execs, you know, from startup entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs, all the way to, I've seen a, I think I've seen a couple billionaires actually on his podcast, um, which says a little bit about this individual. Um, and his specialty is he likes to focus on innovative strategies tools and techniques that really equip and empower people to change the trajectory of their lives. Um, and beyond all of the accolades and the formal bio, um, someone who I've had a chance to build a personal relationship with over the last couple of years, someone who I've had a chance to watch make that turn, make that shift from that Wall Street executive to the mentor and coach and aspiring and growing and excelling entrepreneur he is today. And I'm so excited to share what I know he can bring to all of you as our guest tonight. Um, so with that, it is my pleasure to welcome to the conversation, none other than Brennan Burns. Brennan, how's it going, brother? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Blake. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm, I'm excited we were able to do this. We've been talking about this for, for a little bit. And uh, I watched you, I think, launch your podcast. You watched me launch my podcast. And here we get to have a conversation together. I'm excited about tonight. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I said to you before we started this, how I interview so many people and I love asking questions and being curious, but it's nice to be in the hot seat every now and then and get to tell my story. So thanks again for the opportunity. I love it. We get to turn the table tonight and I'm, I'm super excited um, about all of this. And, you know, I know we had a chance to uh, catch up. Was it last week we got together two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. So I just moved to California after 30 plus years in New York and uh, you're a very gracious host to me. We met up in Malibu and uh, it's beautiful. That was my first time going there my whole life. Hey, Soho House is a beautiful place. Overlooking Malibu is majestic. Um, no, it was weird because obviously we've had a relationship now for a few years and it's so weird with technology. It's like, you know, everybody. I, I didn't realize that was the first time we actually met in person, which was super cool. But uh, welcome to the West Coast. How are you liking it? How are you loving it so far? I love it. You know, I grew up surfing on Long Beach, on Long Island, just outside of New York City. Um, so I had a solid two months a year to get on my surfboard. And now it's November and I'm going surfing this weekend. So it's uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. And, uh, what, you know, there's a lot of fear. And maybe we talk a little bit tonight about what's going on in the world with COVID. But sometimes you have to look for those silver linings. And to me, this was just an opportunity to make a transition or, as you would say, shift the script. And uh, it's been what I'll probably look back and say is one of the best things I ever did in my life. I love it. Well, the West Coast is the best coast. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> that. And uh, I know we still got to paddle out. I love that you picked up surfing out there and we'll definitely spend time together. Yeah. Uh, you know, you said something last the last week or the other week when we were together and it made me smirk and it made me smile. And I just want to kind of bring it up and just reconfirm with you because I, I see obviously on your website now, you know, in your bio, you have a whole coaching platform that's growing. You know, you're, you're, you're attracting all kinds of different people from like the aspiring entrepreneur or solopreneur all the way to like C-level execs, billion dollar fortune 100 companies. I mean, the, the, the roster continues to grow and it's an impressive variety. But I think you said the other week, was I literally your first client? Was I your first <laughs> client? Is, is that a true statement? So formally, yes. Informally, no. When I launched my business, Somebody found my website when I was getting, say, one hit per day. I don't know how they found me. And they lived in Hawaii and they were looking for a coach. They were really looking for a therapist. And I was able to help them and we would get on calls, but it was send me this one PayPal. Then we would get on the phone. It was very, 
it wasn't structured. It was very much a learning experience for me just as much as for that person. But you were my first official client that I sold into a program. I said, this is the monthly cost. This is how it's going to work. And I actually have a picture that I believe I showed you when we met up. It's me <laughs> taking a selfie with, it said Blake Ballin purchase coaching and it's got the price and it's got the picture of me. And that was uh, summer of 2018. So that is absolutely <laughs> true. And um, uh, it was, I, I, yeah. I love it, brother. It was, made me smile so much. You know, yeah. it, I just remember, obviously, we built a relationship online via Instagram. Got to love social media these days. And I, yeah. I just remember seeing what you're doing with your content. And at that time, you know, I had just recently, I think I recently was about to do the TED Talk. So I was just hyper-focused on like, Instagram and how are people really delivering content? How does this platform work? And I just saw you and what you're doing. I was like, this guy's doing something right. And we just started talking. I'm like, this guy's really, really smart. Wall Street exec, right? Got entrepreneur. And I don't know. I I, uh, I love it. I, I've always I've always looked for talent. And one thing I saw with you is someone right away that incredibly intelligent, hugely ambitious, right? You know, wicked smart, but willing to go out there and, and wanting to make a change and wanting to help. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's an honor to, uh, to, to take that as the first client considering where you are today. And, and I know where you're going. So I love that. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I, I have tremendous respect for people who can find talent and put to the side, oh, how many followers do you have? Or what college did you go to? Because I always look for young, hungry, scrappy talent. And I think that hunger is much more important than where you went to school or what your background or resume says. Burning desire. You can't replace it. Yep. You know, let, let's go this. I definitely want to want to take this conversation in you know, probably a couple different directions that, that I know you could add value with everybody who's going to ultimately listen to this. Um, but let's kind of rewind because one thing I know that's true for you um, is you are genuinely passionate about helping people. Like you get, you get enthusiastic about it. Like you get, you get, you can feel your energy and you're like, ah, oh, I get to coach or I get to help or I get to in inspire. And ever since I met you, I've watched you kind of transcend this kind of personal growth arena. Um, and it's been amazing watching you rise. And in my experience, individuals that are genuinely passionate about helping others and helping people go through their own breakthroughs or their own growth, usually that's rooted in some aspect of their story. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you in this direction, like Wall Street, investment banker, right? You know, analyst moving up in the, the firm to what you're doing now, where'd that come from? Was it a personal shift? Would, would love to understand where this began. Absolutely. Going back in time to early 2013, I was in a relationship and this woman and I were talking about getting married. I was working as an investment banker in New York City and I had my family all pretty much close by in New York. And I got home from work one day and my then girlfriend, soon to be fiance, was throwing all of my belongings into the hallway of her building. And while I'm trying to deal with that and figure out where I'm going to sleep that night, I take out my phone and the investment banking firm was basically saying, maybe we'll give you a shot in a different group, but you're probably about to be fired. I then go downstairs to try to get my some semblance of my life back together. And my phone rings and it's my father saying, your brother's in the hospital, say a prayer. I had no idea what was going on with that either. So this was the launch pad that got me what I would call into consciousness or my pursuit of consciousness. I was so thrown off track and I was so hungry to figure out and get answers. I went back upstairs. I sat down with my then now ex-girlfriend and we spoke about what was going on. And she gave me a piece of paper that said the word abuse on it. And I had no idea what that word meant, but I went home. I went back to my apartment. 
which was, by the way, empty. I was basically living with her. I walked into a freezing cold apartment. The heat was off. Open the fridge. There's one slice of Kraft Singles cheese in the fridge. That's it. And I sat down and I said, and I started Googling. And so my, that Google search led me to the term emotional abuse, which started to explain my upbringing, my parents, my past. I then reached out to a therapist who had written a number of books named Beverly Engel. We started to speak. She then became my therapist one-on-one for about five years. We were talking every weekend on Saturdays because that's what my work schedule allowed. And I just dove in head first, basically because I was in a place that was really bad and I wanted to go somewhere else. And this seemed like my path forward. So I spent many years diving in, being trained and coached and therapized by all these different people. And it got to a point where I would go to my new job on Wall Street. I was working at a hedge fund and it was much better, much more aligned. And I did enjoy the stock market, but ultimately I knew that coaching was really my calling, what I was put here to do and how I wanted to serve others. So, you know, when, when Warren Buffett says, when you love what you do, you skip to work every morning, you don't treat it like a job. And for me, the pure coaching element of that makes me so happy and so fulfilled. I've gotten people out of addiction. I've gotten people to start their own passion businesses. As you know, being a business owner is so much more than just coaching. So I have to figure out sales, marketing, team, leadership. But ultimately, coaching is something I'm so passionate about. And I'm grateful to be able to do that and make an income and have a life around that. I love it. And I have quite a few friends on Wall Street still. Um, and I'm not even going to have to ask the difference in energy or consciousness <laughs> or fulfillment between the investment banking world on Wall Street to where you're at today. Um, we can feel it. We can see it. Your smile. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, let, let's go back real quick. So I, I, I'm curious on, on that moment. So you, you're in that moment where, you know, wow, stuff's gone, cold apartment, nothing in the fridge. What's going on with my family member? What's happening in my life? And this word abuse, mm-hmm. like that moment right there, would you say that was one of your kind of rock bottom points? Was that one of the lows in your life? Like talk to me about that, that moment right there. And the reason I'll give you context why I'm asking is like, why that moment, right? Was that, you know, was that, was that something where, boom, you hit hard? Was that something like what, tell me about what you were feeling there. Why that, why was that different than any other moment or any other challenge you maybe, you know, gone prior to that? Yeah. When people say, I want to go do something else with my life, they have a hard time doing it because they're so identified with what they're currently doing. I am a person who drives a Mercedes. I am an investment banker. I am a New Yorker. That's actually not true. But because we're so tightly identified with these things that we have or that we do, it's almost like a complete loss of identity that shocks your nervous system. When you like think about time, the biggest challenges you've had in your life, they wake you up and they shake you to your core. And so for me, I'm 25 years old. I'm living in New York City. And I think I have my entire life figured out. I have my career path, I have my future wife, and I have my family. And in the span of uh, one day, pretty much everything was taken from me. And so when people ask me, who gets involved in personal development? Who are the spiritual leaders in this world? And very often, it's people who endure catastrophic, as you call it, rock bottom events that bring them into this level of consciousness. So for me, to go from having this prestigious job that I identified with 
having this relationship that I thought was my future of my family foundation and my brother who thank God is fine, but being in the hospital very abruptly, I was in a rock bottom situation and that level of rock bottomness, I thank God and the universe because that enabled me to have the open-mindedness to seek help. I used to think that I didn't need therapy. I used to think that I had everything figured out. And so I'm so grateful for that moment because I actually get scared to think, what if that didn't happen? I would be in New York working in some middle-level hedge fund job with some mediocre life, probably, versus the fact that this totally woke me up. And so one of my favorite quotes is, Tony Robbins, who said he had a very abusive mother who beat him and did all these awful things. But he said, if the if I had the mother that I wanted, I would not be able to be the man I'm proud to be because he had to cope with that and learn how to be a psychologist around that and ultimately end his own suffering, which led him on this path. So I can talk about other times, like a few years into starting my business, where I was a prolific online course seller and Facebook ads banned me overnight and I almost had to declare bankruptcy. I can talk about other events that were similar rock bottom type events for me. Um, But each one I feel has only made me stronger and only made me more tolerant of uncertainty, which is a very powerful skill, as you know, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And you're giving me chills talking because it's like, you know, I think any entrepreneur um, that's achieved anything to any extent has gone through those, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's feast and famine. It's, it's peak and valley, right? It's win and loss. That's just, that's just a part of it. Um, and I do agree with you, like all of the struggles build strength, right? In different ways or bring lessons with them. But the identity one, that's the, that's the, that's the tough one, man. I mean, that's the core, right? The identity one. I know exactly exactly what you're describing. And, and, uh, I think you and I have had dialogue in the past and for everybody that's heard me share my story, you know, for me, the word wasn't abuse for me. The the word was why, but it was the same outcome, right? It was, I was sitting there young in college, same thing, thought I had it all figured out following the script and then sitting there frustrated in the moment. Why am I doing this? Sacrificing my life, building the resume, interning for a district attorney, right? More, 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 more. And then someone said, why are you doing this? That was the question that it did exactly for me what you're describing that moment did for you of all of a sudden, boom, the shell that was around like broke, right? It gets to the, the identity of, wow, maybe who I am isn't who I am. Maybe what I'm doing is not what I'm meant to. And I just highlight that because I know there's people inevitably that'll listen to Brennan tell a story that um, have been through those moments, right? That maybe you're still clinging on to, you know, the supposed to or the script or you think you have it all figured out and you're not willing to crack right? To break down first in order to break through, um, to maybe go the direction that maybe you're meant to. Let me ask you this, Brennan, what do you think the difference is between people that go through similar experiences and those that make the decision in that moment to change versus those that then have life continue to slap them upside the head over and over and over again and are still running the same motion? Because there's a difference between like people going through that, you in that moment, boom, it was a defining moment. You made a decision and it changed the trajectory of your life. But you and I both know a lot of people that get the same wake up calls and it's not getting to a point of decision. Maybe it's a thought, maybe it's awareness, maybe it's even an action for a day or a week, but it's not a life altering decision. What do you think the difference is? I think that to take ownership and own what you need to look inside of yourself introspectively and to 
have that willingness to make a change requires a tremendous amount of humility and letting go of sort of a, an ego and, and a blame game is a huge part of it. So I think it really requires an ability to be very honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses, and also be very honest with yourself about who you are and the environment that you grew up in. Because on some level, we all have characteristics and environmental experiences that we went through that have caused us to behave and develop and evolve in a certain way. And so I think what people do is they confuse their behaviors with who they are as a person, and they're not willing to be introspective because they're afraid to admit that there's something that needs to shift inside of them. And in part, that's because they identify with those mistakes or with those patterns or with those part of themselves, and they blame themselves and they carry shame around that versus saying, okay, this was my mom. This was my dad. This is what happened to me. Before you're five years old, if there's any form of abandonment or neglect, our brains are not developed enough to understand that it was about our parents. And so we blame ourselves. So then when we're 35 years old and we're fighting with our wife all the time, we don't want to take ownership because we don't want to admit that there's something wrong with me. Even though there's nothing wrong with you, there's just a broken pattern that needs to be corrected based on who you were many years ago. So I think on some level, it's a willingness to take complete ownership for who you are, the mistakes you may have made, and also the ability to understand and disidentify behaviors from core self-worth and value. I also believe that tremendous fear exists inside of ourselves. I was working with a client recently who was saying, I want this and I want that. I said, you want that? Great. We have to crack you open with a sledgehammer and put your alcohol down and put your fancy football away and go inside yourself and figure out what's actually going on and feeling those emotions deeply. And for some people, again, that's just such a scary undertaking that they don't want to go. They don't want to go on that journey. Um, But if you go on it, it can be painful in the short term. But as you know, it's so rewarding. And so those are some characteristics I see with people who are willing to do that. But at the end of the day, there are some people who come to me. I want coaching. I tell them what to do. They don't want to do it. and I, I can't make them want it. I can only take someone who wants to make that change and then lead them to the, as I call it, promised land. <laughs> well, I think you touched on a, a lot of really key points that I'm sure everybody who's listening can kind of reflect on when you've been in some of those moments, right? And and there's ultimately two types of people. Maybe some of us have been in those moments and you did make a decision, right? How many of you listening to this can think right now of a moment where you know you were hitting a struggle, hitting a challenge, hitting an obstacle? In that moment, you're like, oh no, right? Why is this happening to me? But it caused you to make a shift, right? And that shift ultimately changed the direction of where you were going. Um, and you know, and you're happier because of it. Or Maybe some of you are sitting there going, man, you know, I've had life try to wake me up a couple times, right? But I've been unwilling to make that shift. And maybe this conversation is going to be that trigger where all of a sudden moving forward, you can now say, okay, well, maybe I'm put in this situation for a reason. Maybe I'm put in this situation to learn something from it. You know, let, let's go to, you mentioned something earlier um, that kind of jumped out. You talked about how, you know, some of the, the greatest leaser, leaders or successful entrepreneurs, I think you referenced spiritual leaders. A lot of people that offer the highest value to others is because they've been through a lot themselves and can kind of speak from that experience. Um, you know, I, I think Steve Jobs has a quote where he talks about like the dots connect in the future, right? They might not make sense when we're going through them now, but in the future long enough, 
they do make sense. Um, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, what is painful or your pain can actually become your power, right? If you're willing to reframe that and understand to grow from it and bring it to others. So I'm curious in your experience, maybe what are some of the things you faced um, that maybe in the time were like, were painful that you were able to reframe or take a different perspective. And now you look at as strengths, if you're willing to share. Absolutely. I would say for sure. Uh, one of the big ones was some of the breakups that I've gone through in romantic relationships. I'm very passionate about relationship coaching. I've studied a lot of different models. And so thinking about that example I gave earlier, as well as some other breakups I've been through over the past few years, those are some of the biggest awakening moments for me. And they've allowed me to really learn and understand what a relation, an intimate relationship should look like and what it actually means to love. I talk a lot with my clients about the difference between love being a verb and love being an adjective and or a feeling. I feel love versus I choose to love that person. I see you smiling, Blake. I know you've been happily married for a long time, so I am sure you get that. Um, breakups are one thing. Business struggles up and down, for sure, another. I left Wall Street because my calling was to coach and speak and help other people. I left a lot of money on the table. I left a lot of security and certainty on the table to ride out this new path. And I'm so happy to be here. But like you said, I've had peaks and valleys. There was a point where my all my income was coming from the sales of online courses, which I was primarily promoting through Facebook advertising. I built an entire team, offices, multiple employees around this. And one day I wake up and I get an email. You've been banned from all Facebook advertising. You can't appeal it. We're not giving you any reason why. Don't try to advertise here again. Have a good life. And so that means I have to declare bankruptcy within two months. Forget, can I pay rent? Forget, can I pay for my food? What does this mean for my life long-term? Will I be boxed out from ever being able to get a mortgage and buy a home? What does this mean for me? So business challenges have been another and at the end of the day, like you said, the ability to stomach that pain and to build deep trust in the universe or God or in the fact that no matter what, I will be able to get through this builds a, such an amount of strength and resiliency that will enable you to face challenges later in life. If you think the world's coming crashing down on you, you can say, you know what? I've been through something way worse. And so when someone comes to me with a problem, tell, like if you said to me, Blake, tell me what are your, what is a problem for me in your life? I would say, that's great. Tell me about a bigger problem that you've already overcome. And you say, wow, okay, I can get through this. I love that. And, and uh, you know, I always tell people, I go, look, I can make all of your problems go away in a second. It's really easy just go find a bigger problem because as soon as you find a bigger problem, you can make all your existing problems go away in a second. Yep. And I know all of us have had that experience, right? Where it's like, you think you have problems and all of a sudden you have a real problem mm -hmm. and it puts into perspective all the things you thought were problems before. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a great way that you're describing all of that. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I agree. And I know you've been through a lot in your life and have used that experience now um, to not only figure out kind of who you are, what you're passionate about, obviously now turn that into a platform that you're paying that forward and helping other people. Um, I also know there was a part in your kind of transition where um, you and I connected on a book and I don't remember what conversation prompted it, but I remember um, I connected you to Dr. Robert, who I think uh, you and I have both had on our podcast, yeah. author of No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I remember um, his conversation, your relationship, that book, that kind of helped you through your journey. 
Absolutely. I remember distinctively when you recommended that book for me and I kind of took a glance at it and I said, oh, I don't think I need this book. And then a few months later, I was going through some issues in a relationship and I picked it back up and I read through the book probably five times in a row. You can see my copy of my bookshelf. Every other word is highlighted. And that book for me helped me understand the B word boundaries. And it helped me understand how to really take ownership for who I am and stop being a victim in relationships. Because in so many areas of life, when things go wrong for us, quote unquote, we look to blame the, our romantic partner. We look to blame the client. We look to blame the universe, life circumstances. And it really allowed me to take ownership of my life. I think Dr. Glover and that book have been so helpful for me. When I first started coaching, as I'm sure you know, when people were asking me for more, I just wanted to help. And so I would give and I would give, oh, Brendan, are you available on Saturdays? Sure. What about Sundays? Sure. What about at 9 p.m. Eastern time? Oh, yeah, that's okay. You know, it's funny. My grandfather, um, may he rest in peace. He was a lawyer. He was a politician. And one of his early uh, partners at a law firm in New York City, um, he just worked like a dog and said yes to everything, no matter what. And one time the managing partner went up to my grandfather's coworker and said, Hey, can you, we really need someone to work this weekend. Can you do it? And the guy said, well, I can, let me try to move a few things around, but I think I should be able to. He then went into my grandpa's office and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. My wedding is this weekend. <laughs> and it's like, if you can't set a boundary on your wedding weekend, where's your life? And so ultimately, one of the biggest lessons that I've gotten from that book is it's helped me realize my value. It's helped me understand that I can charge more money and I can capture the value that I can deliver, set boundaries, shorter coaching sessions, do it more on my terms because I'm the coach. And it's been a tremendous blessing for me in relationships. Uh, one metaphor that I really like from that book for anyone out there who is struggling with relationships or just looking to have an even better marriage or relationship, Glover gives this example of the, the cake versus the icing. And so he says, a lot of men or women will make their romantic partner their cake and they sort of hook an emotional hose up to their partner and they expect their partner to be their everything. Whereas the goal is to build an extraordinary life, that's your cake. Your cake is your health and wellness, your career, your income, your friendships, your athleticism, your spirituality, and then your romantic partner is the icing on top. And so that relationship or that metaphor really stuck out to me because I was looking for salvation in a romantic partner, expecting way too much, putting so much pressure on these women. And no wonder I wasn't having success in the past with that. I definitely want to dive deeper on relationships. I've heard you mention that a couple of times now, and I think that's highly relevant, um, especially with everything that's going on now. But before we go there, this concept of boundaries, right? And, and you know, I've only recommended that book maybe to a, you know, a dozen people or so um, based on conversations I've had. And, and the ones that I have recommended it to for certain reasons, they always come back with similar responses. Um, and I know you've done an amazing job now in your career, not only for yourself and has been helped you architect and design the life you have, which is way different than the life you had. But I know now you help other people a lot that are maybe going through similar things. And I see this all over the place. I think everyone listening or everyone watching, like we all can learn to set better boundaries for ourselves. Some people are really, really great, but those are few and far between. I think most of us fall victim to 
maybe saying yes more than we should, maybe avoiding confrontation, even though confrontation might be needed, necessary and productive, right? Maybe we give more of ourselves, right? And, and you know, end up emptying our cup and now we don't have a full cup to pour from. I think most people fall into that bucket. Um, what guidance would you give? Like, how do people make the shift from, call it people pleasing, right? To setting healthy boundaries. Like, what guidance would you give for someone that's out there that is still trying to chase the likes, avoid confrontation, say yes, but is sacrificing maybe who they are to, you know, where do they, where do we start when it comes to boundaries? What, what advice would you give? So one thing that I learned and I have to give credit to Jack Canfield, a big mentor of mine, uh, podcast, he came on my podcast is he taught me to not make excuses or come up with stories. For example, if someone asks me, Hey, Brendan, can you come help me pack tonight? Or do you want to get dinner tonight? And this is a person that I'm really misaligned with from a values perspective. They don't treat me appropriately. It's not a good fit. Or it's just something, I don't need a reason. It's just someone I don't want to hang out with. What I used to do and what so many people do is they say, oh, uh, I can't tonight because I'm going out to dinner with someone else. And then what they do is a week later, they say, hey, Brendan, I know you got to be free this week. Why don't we hang out this week? And then you say, oh, well, uh, I'm actually going on this guy Blake's podcast tonight, so I can't do it tonight. And then you have to come up with a new excuse and story every time and they keep coming back to you versus you can be honest with them. You can just tell them that you're not interested, that you don't have time in your life to do this at this point. And I'll reach out to you if I'm able to do this at some point in the future. So you take the ball into your court. But I used to come up with a lot of excuses and hide behind those rather than just be honest and have that confrontation because having that confrontation, yes, that can be uncomfortable in the short term. But if you don't have that confrontation now, you now have the rest of your life where you have to lie and come up with excuses and be disingenuous with yourself and with someone else. A great example of this, if you're running late and someone says, Hey, how, how late are you going to be? If I'm 20 minutes late, I know I'm going to be 20 minutes late. I always used to say, I'll be there in about 10 minutes, right? Because I didn't want to deal with that. Oh man, uh, 20 minutes. That's ridiculous. Now I'll say, oh, I'll probably be there in about 20, 25 minutes. I'll even say I'll be a little bit more late. And that is just upfront directness so that I can set healthy expectations and face that head on so that I don't have to race there. And then when I get there, they were like, oh, it's another, you were first, you were late 10 minutes. Now you're another 10 minutes late. Now they're even more disappointed with you. So those are a few things. One other thing I'll just add is that in the business realm, I was so scared to set boundaries because I was afraid that if I said no, then I would lose the client. If I charged this much, I would push them away. But what I've learned is that when you say no within reason, you're actually commanding more respect and you're communicating to your client that you respect and value yourself. And then they're going to turn around and respect and value you. I'll give you a last example and then I'll wrap that up. I had a client who had a, a coaching business and she left her phone. She offered unlimited free text support for all of her clients, even the $50 a month, super low ticket clients. And she would sleep with her phone next to her bed on, on ringer and vibrate. And so if someone texts her in the middle of the night, she would jump out of bed and respond to them immediately. Now, when she hired me, she had an expectation that I would do the same thing. She said, what's your phone number? I said, you're not getting my phone number. She said, add me on Facebook. I said, you're not going to do that. You're going to email me. And if you email me more than once a day, 
I'm not going to respond. You're going to keep a list of questions and then we'll review those questions in our session. The first week, she hated me for this. But in the end, I modeled boundary setting that enabled her to then turn around and do that with her clients and have a huge benefit to her life. I love that story. And I know as you're sitting there giving your examples, everybody can probably relate to doing that uh, at least a little bit and maybe some of us uh, a lot of bit. Um, but I love the way you said that. When you set healthy boundaries, you're actually showing you value yourself, value your time, and you're going to command a greater value or respect um, than the inverse. So it has almost the opposite effect. And, you know, I, I share the same lessons and learnings, like, you know, some of the most uncomfortable conversations lead to some of the best outcomes. And the more uncomfortable conversations you have, the more you realize like, wow, okay, you know, that wasn't so bad. Number one, you feel amazing after you get on the other side of it, as opposed to sitting there and stewing on it, trying to figure out every which way the conversation may go instead of just having it. And number two, sometimes the uncomfortable conversations bridge perspective and get a better outcome, right? I mean, you got to have diverse opinions, different opinions uh, in order to find the best next step or best way forward. So um, I love those. And it, it's been awesome uh, watching you make that transition. And now you help so many other people make that transition. It's been inspiring inspiring to see. Um, so relationships, I know this is a passion topic for you, um, given your history and kind of, kind of where you're at right now. And obviously, you know, 2020 is putting, I don't know, it's redefining maybe all of our relationships on every level. So you got, you got spouses that are stuck in quarantine, right? Stuck in houses, spending more time together than ever before for better or for worse. Um, you got, you got single people trying to figure out like, how in the world do you meet people? You know, I got single friends, like, how do you date? You know, like, how does that even work right now? Um, you got the fact that we can't have physical proximity. I'm seeing a lot of reconnection, like a lot of rekindling. I probably talk more to my parents, my wife's parents, some of my good friends. Matter of fact, not probably, I talk to them more this year that I've ever talked to them before, you know, in the last decade that it's almost the disconnection has, has reconnected us. What are you seeing out there in terms of all these dynamics, either spousal or relationships or dating, um, especially when it comes to 2020 in COVID, what are your clients coming to you with? What advice can you give? Absolutely. Uh, one thing that we've seen across the board is that couples are spending a lot more time together because they're stuck at home. They're sharing tighter quarters the guy can't go to his office, the woman can't go to her office, so everyone's together. And with that presents more opportunity for conflict to show up. And so what I believe and what I'm doing with my clients is helping equip them with tools to deal with those conflicts as they arise. As you said, we're also seeing a lot of people who are dating a lot and they're frustrated because the ability to go out, go to restaurants, go to bars is significantly curtailed. Certainly earlier this year, we saw that. And so there's been a lot of that. I personally believe that this is an excellent opportunity for both singles and people in relationships, because if you can build conscious skills to help resolve conflict with these tight quarters, it's like when I learned how to drive, my parents drove me an hour into New York City and gave me the keys to their car and they said, go. And so I'm in between taxis and New York City buses and people on their cell phones leaping in front of my car. And I said, why are you teaching me how to drive in New York City? They said, because if you can drive here, you can drive anywhere. I'm not going to teach you how to drive in a parking lot and you're comfortable with nobody around you. And so I feel like this is New York City all around the world. You got a guy who works in finance and he's trying to be on his conference call 
And in the loft upstairs with no door, his wife is on her call. And then in the other room, you have three kids on iPads going to school together. So if you are having conflict in that situation, which is totally normal, learning how to resolve that, you guys are going to be good long-term if you can work through this. (laughs) Dating is also really interesting because so many people nowadays, especially millennials and younger people, are obsessed with this swipe mentality. And they have this false fear that if they can't go on five dates a week, they're not going to find the one. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to teach a lot of very deep relational principles around taking a break from dating, learning how to go inside of yourself. You know, if you've had broken relationships and haven't been able to find the one for 10 years, maybe it's because you're not the one for someone else yet because you're not owning what you need to clean up in your life. One of my favorite quotes, I just read a book that said this, it says, um, finding the one is about becoming the partner that the partner you're looking for is looking for. And so it's a, there's a great story about this woman and she was in a sorority and she drank heavily and engaged in a lot of casual sex. And she met the most upstanding, handsome, spiritual, godly, organized man. She went home to her mom. She said, mom, you're not going to believe it. I met the one, this guy's perfect. I haven't talked to him yet, but I already love him. And she looked at her daughter. The mom looked at her daughter and said, you know, he's not going to be interested in a woman like you. I'm just going to be very direct with you and say that. And the girl started crying. She said, why not? What's wrong with me? Her mother said, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you guys are on very different paths. And I think people are so obsessed with finding that perfect partner that I want, I'm looking for my person. I hate when people say that. Um, obviously you want someone with similar values. You're compatible. You have chemistry. Yes. That it, to some degree that is fair. However, I think we're on this speed race to go on as many dates as possible to try to find the perfect person. And I feel like that's the totally wrong approach. And what I'm noticing is people are are using this opportunity to say, you know what, maybe I'll take a break from dating for six months and I'll go get a coach or I'll go look inside of myself or I'll watch some documentaries or some YouTube videos on relationships and personal development. And I think that's amazing. And as far as it goes with conflict resolution with the couples I mentioned earlier, I'm finding it to be less and less taboo to find what I call, I call it marriage strengthening. I don't call it couples counseling anymore. I call it marriage strengthening. And I think it's beautiful to see these couples investing in themselves. I think we're now seeing companies are uh, financing and providing stipends for people to go invest in these resources. And I think that's excellent because You know, there's some people that just click maybe 2%, 5% of couples. They just are always in sync and they rarely fight. But I think equipping any couple with tools for longevity is critical. And I don't think there should be any stigma associated with it. And I'm seeing a lot of good people doing this work and it's really encouraging. I love that. You know, that's what I hope is one of the, the blessings that come out of this year. You know, if, if anything, this year has a long list of stuff, right? But it also creates an opportunity of kind of a forced pause. You know, it, it is a forced pause where a lot of our routines are interrupted. A lot of our time has been given back, right? And we do have time. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what you do. Every one of us have time in 2020 to do exactly what Brennan, you're saying, which is do a little review, 
do a little reflection, do a little introspection, right? You know, we're so quick to wanting to go back to how it was. We're not even asking ourselves, do we really want to go back to how it was? Or can't we go to a place where it's better than it ever was? Um, but I love the way you, you related that to relationships, you know, first work on yourself, and if you work on yourself, becoming the person you're meant to be, you know, becoming a happier person, a better person, a more full person, a person that is really living your potential, well, you're going to end up attracting the person that is your match. So I, I think that's awesome, sound advice, no matter who you are. And I don't care even if you're not single, if you're married, right? You know, I'm in the married category. I've been together with my high school sweetheart a long time. I think everybody that is true for, we can all always focus on becoming better together, growing together during this time. So I, I really hope what you're saying in that video vision is an outcome for a lot of people. And I know it can be if you're listening and watching, you know, if it's something you choose to make during this time, you know, um, you know, one of the things I, 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 when I, when I first started, you know, talking with you on Instagram, I remember seeing all of your photos and you were doing a lot of traveling, right? I mean, I don't remember all of them. And it was, I know it was uh, all about, like, this guy loves adventure. He loves traveling, loves lifestyle, um, which I, I'm sure is dramatically different than maybe than the life you were living when you were on Wall Street, probably grinding, you know. You know, I, I'm curious on that that shift, right? In terms of, you know, the lifestyle design. I, I know uh, I know Tim Ferriss kind of coins it as the you know the new rich versus the old rich, and and you know I, I'd love maybe to speak to that transition, what it meant for you, and maybe your opinion on that philosophy as it exists today. So one of my favorite quotes is from Denzel Washington. And he says that, he said, I've never seen a U-Haul attached to the back of a hearse. And that really rung true for me because I grew up in an environment with a lot of people who accumulated a lot of wealth and never gave themselves, this is my, so we have the B word is boundaries, but then we have the P word, which is permission. They never gave themselves permission to be happy or permission to go live a good life. Very often, this lack of permission is rooted in guilt. I don't deserve this. I'm not working hard enough. I need to do more professionally before I can do this trip. And there's a great section in a book called Vagabonding by Ralph Potts, where they talk about the movie Wall Street, the original with Charlie Sheen and Michael Douglas, where they said to Michael, they said to Charlie Sheen, why are you sacrificing your life, breaking securities laws, risking going to jail? What are you going to do when you get a billion dollars? And he smiles and he says, I'm going to ride a motorcycle across all of China. And the author of Vagabonding, Ralph Potts, says, you know, anyone can take a year off from work, put together $1,000 or $2,000 and go do that. And granted, you're not going to stay at Four Seasons Hotels, but are there a lot of Four Seasons hotels throughout mainland China in the big cities? Yes, but not in the smaller local pond villages. So I've just been able to be blessed by growing up in an environment with very wealthy and very unhappy people. So I could skip a couple steps of life and know that money is not the answer to happiness. Certainly money can be a useful tool. It can grow your impact, your influence. It can provide a cushion. My mom used to say, money doesn't matter unless you don't have any. Right. And one of my old professors in law school used to say, um, money isn't the answer, but I'd rather be unhappy and rich than unhappy and poor. And so, yes, money is access. Money is valid. Certainly pursuing your mission, accumulating wealth in an empowering way is a beautiful thing. But I've always sort of understood that there's more 
to life than just accumulating wealth, growing that bank account. And so when I was first starting this business, I was in Australia, Japan twice, India twice, South Korea, Myanmar, Laos, all over Europe, South America. And those experiences really got me rooted and grounded in different cultures, helped me understand what I was so passionate about in life. And I also connected with some amazing people from other countries who uh, work to live rather than live to work. And so there's this famous Mexican fisherman story that Tim Ferriss tells. There's so many stories and life lessons that I've learned being on the road. And I'm very excited for hopefully a vaccine to come out soon and the world to open up again, because I really think that, you know, we spend so much time working to build this bank account, but at the end of the day, are you enjoying that money? Are you enjoying your life? And sometimes, you know, I've done articles on my website, how I went to Morocco for $10. There are credit cards out there. There's Airbnb, there's couch surfing. We are the most blessed generation where there's affordable international travel. And I've attracted a lot of clients into my business by modeling what, I just living my best life and then people come to me and then they get to learn how to experience that too. I love it. Well, you and I share that passion. Um, and I'm a firm believer moments matter, you know, moments matter. Um, and I love the way you framed it as you have to give yourself permission, which is crazy that we're all living lives where we have to give ourselves permission to live our lives. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, we're, we're, we're all stuck in this, you know, in, in this facade that we've been taught. Um, and if you're still out there, like you deserve it, you deserve it, right? What Brennan is saying, you deserve it. Moments do matter. If you're going through life feeling guilty that you're not taking the time to do the things you love, you miss the entire point. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of adopted a similar philosophy quite a, quite a few years back, Brennan, too, where it's like, you know, I always have something on my calendar that I'm looking forward to. Always like there's always something on my calendar that I'm looking forward to. Um, and I think that's uh, something everybody should do. And, and obviously this year is a little weird, you know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't even have to be, you know, Thailand or it doesn't have to be Bali or it doesn't have to be Tahiti or the Maldives or, you know, the pyramids like you can create moments right now in your own backyard, you know, and you still have to consciously because if you don't, right, you're going to let this whole year go by and these months go by and, and you're, you're, you're going to waste them. So, you know, I, I agree. Get out and see the world. Moments matter. You deserve it. Give yourself permission, but you don't need to wait. You know, my, my family and I have watched more sunsets during COVID than ever in our life. We've gone down to the beach and, you know, had picnics more than ever before. It's like, you got to create the moments with the, the resources we do have today. Um, but it's been awesome watching you travel the world, brother. And, and uh, I love the way you framed, you know, everybody should give themselves permission to live their life. That's the whole point why we're here. Yeah, um, you know, you know let, let me shift gears and I want to be mindful of time here watching, yeah. watching the clock. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love Brennan to maybe throw kind of three questions that I ask kind of every guest, um, kind of rapid fire. And it's kind of the first thing that comes to your mind, first thing that comes to your heart. And we've danced on a lot of awesome topics. So it, it might pull from something we've covered or it might be something new. Obviously you're familiar with the shift the script concept, right? And that was a concept as a reflection of my story, similar to your story, where I was going through life and all of a sudden I had a shift. I had a mental shift and I went from telling myself one script or one story or one belief system to boom, it shifted to a totally different story, a totally different script, a totally different belief system. And that one shift changed the trajectory of my life, just like you're mentioning, right? You had a similar experience. I'm wanting to ask you, what's one shift in your life? 
you went from thinking this to thinking this or telling yourself this to telling yourself this. What one shift do you think has had maybe the most impact on who you are today? I would say the biggest shift that I've had in my life is going from being self-serving to serving a higher cause. I grew up in an environment where you're trained to go to the best school you can, get the best job you can, make the most money you can, marry the best person you can, but it's very much just focused on me. I need to live my best life so that when other people look at me, they're impressed. And when other people evaluate me, I have all their approval. To thinking about why was I put here? What's my greatest good? And how can I contribute to other people? When you think about Tony Robbins has this framework of the human needs. He talks about contribution and how could we contribute? And so for me, I left a lot of money on the table by leaving Wall Street, but I don't regret that because I now have the ability to contribute and help people undo the abuse they went through, help people overcome addiction. And so it was this shift and I'm still working on this, right? Like growing my company, I see the money, I see the opportunity. I think about the cars I want. And so I have to consciously continue to fight off of the me mentality and continue to put myself in the thought of shifting the script to how can I serve a higher purpose than myself? I love that. Um, So second question, let's say you are God, the universe, right? The almighty. And you could right now with the snap of a finger automatically help every single person on planet earth have a shift. Everybody right now could go from telling themselves one thing to telling themselves, right? Something else right now at this point in time, right? Middle of 2020, what shift, if you could, would you immediately give to everybody on this planet? I would give everybody the belief and that the true belief inside of themselves that I am unique. There's nobody else like me. That's a good thing. I'm special. I'm worthy of love. And so is everyone else. That would probably eliminate every war that's going on, every genocide, every insane political debate, every lawsuit. I really believe that that ability, I learned that from Mr. Rogers, by the way, but I do really believe that that inner worth feeling can be a foundation for so much good in the world. I love that. You're giving me chills here. Good old Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor? Third, third question. Obviously, the, the title of this podcast is Alive by Design. Um, and as far back as I can remember, I've just been just obsessed with this concept of like feeling really alive, right? Feeling alive, living while we're alive, living life to the fullest. Um, and you know when you meet somebody, if they're really feeling alive and you know when you meet someone that's not, I'm curious for you, like what makes you personally like feel most alive? Coaching and travel. I would say I remember many years ago, probably almost 10 years ago, having my finance job, being in an apartment in New York City at a dinner party. And this woman, Eleanor, turned to me and asked me the same exact question. And I just said, coaching and travel. And I ultimately used those two words to intentionally build this life and career and lifestyle. And I don't know how I got there, but I did. And that's just what really makes me feel alive. I love that. Well, respect and props to you, brother, for number one, being conscious and aware enough to know what makes you feel alive um, and having those answers so you know off the cuff. But number two, obviously very intentionally putting what makes you feel alive into what you do every day as a profession, which is obviously why you're happy, why you're growing, why you're excelling, why your your platform right now is attracting the clients you're attracting, growing at the rate that it's growing. You know, if you do the things that make you feel alive for a living, you can't help but attract success and attract the right people. And it's awesome watching 
you do that every single day. Um, and I know it's just the beginning for what you're building, where you're going and the people you're going to make an impact on. Um, so before I, I have you give any closing thoughts that, that you want, I, I, I want to make sure people know where to find you. Obviously the Brennan Burns show. So podcasts have been watching you excel. You've had some awesome guests out there. Hey. So, um, well, how many, how many, how many interviews are you up to? I think you're approaching coming up on like a hundred or something coming up on a hundred. It started out of my quote unquote garage, my studio apartment in New York city many years ago. Um, but ultimately we officially launched it a couple of years ago and we now put out episodes every two weeks. So we're on season three coming up on episode 85, I believe. I love it. And, and I know this is a bad question to ask. I'm not going to ask what your favorite guest is or best guest, but like maybe what were, what are some of the guests out there that, that were most unexpected or most inspiring or the ones that, that you as an interviewer enjoyed the most, if you were to throw a couple out? Yeah. I, I love that question because I've been shocked in the studio when I'm talking to people. And uh, there was a gentleman named Peter Laughter who I uh, saw his TED talk on YouTube had a couple hundred views, maybe a thousand or a few thousand, if that, but I loved his content. And again, I didn't care about the numbers and we, he came on my show and the title is radical empathy. And we just dove deep into his relationship with his mother and what it means to be radically empathetic. That's one. Um, I had Dr. Ali Benazir on the show. He killed it. Um, Jack Canfield was great. Jesse Itzler was a fun one. Um, Chris Harder was really good. He's uh, married to Lori Harder, who also has a pod. They both have podcasts. And Chris talked about it's okay to make a lot of money and what to do, do good with that. So I really appreciated Chris coming on the show. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of hidden gems in there. So scroll back and go check out. But those are a few of my favorites. I love it. Well, you guys can find, again, The Brendan Burns Show on all podcast platforms. So give it a follow, subscribe, um, dive in. I know um, in those conversations, Brendan goes deep on a, a lot of the themes that we covered here, but also a lot of different themes out there. So definitely check it out uh, on Instagram Connect. If you find on Instagram, just The Brendan Burns Show. So The Brendan Burns Show on Instagram, give him a follow. And all this stuff can be found on the website, brendanhburns.com for easy and quick access. So Brent, I appreciate brother, everything, everything you've done over the last couple of years. It's been awesome to work with you on a couple of different levels and now watch you grow and, and build the empire that you're building. I love the fact that you're kind of down the street now, so we can yep. get some surf sessions in, we can have some fun on a social level. Yep. Um, and we've offered a lot of value tonight and I appreciate everything you've done being open, transparent, you know, telling some of your own experience and turning into nuggets that I know people can draw personal insight from. Um, so before we close out any other, any closing thoughts, um, anything you want to give to us before we uh, round out tonight's conversation? Absolutely. First of all, thank you very much for saying all those kind things and, and seeing what I've been working on. I really appreciate that. I want to echo those sentiments right back to you. I know you've put out a lot of really powerful podcast episodes and it's not easy to do what you've been able to do professionally with your career. It's not easy to build the family that you've built to become the person that you have become. And it's easy to take those things and just sort of celebrate them within yourself. But I know Blake, you've been on this mission to spread this with other people and help other people shift the script and do Ted talks and do podcasts and do all of these things. And so I just want to say thank you back to you as well, because the following, I see some of your fans and how passionate they are about you, how loyal they are to you, how much you've changed their lives um, has been really special to see the types of raving. It's almost like, you know, Apple, when someone buys every Apple product and they're 
all in life raving fans. And I've seen you've been able to build that based on the value that you give to people is really special. And so I just want to say thank you again for having me on the show for that purpose. And just in closing, I would say um, if any of what we talked about and what I said resonates with you uh, as a listener, continue to go and listen to more of Blake's episodes or mine, but just go on this journey. It's instant gratification versus long-term fulfillment. And a lot of people want to be happy now, but if you can face those crucial conversations, go inside yourself, do the work. I, I think Blake too, we are proof that if you push through those hard times and that fear initially, it is so worth it in the end. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been a great conversation. I can't wait to see the response from the community because I know we're going to see a lot of aha moments. And for everybody that is watching this and everybody that listens to this, hey, grab some of the nuggets and put them into action. The reason we have these conversations is for no other reason than to inspire change, right? To change the trajectory of the life that you're on, to allow you to pursue better. Um, And we danced on so many things, right, throughout the conversation that I know you can grab as your own and make immediate and lasting impact. And that's the journey we're on. And we invite you guys to join us on that journey yourself. Um, As always, we'd love a review. So I'm sure both Brent and I will read the reviews. If you got something from this, let us know. Please rate, review the podcast. And hey, shoot us a message. We're real people. We answer our Instagram. So reach out on Instagram, shoot us a DM. Let us know if you got something from this. And again, that fuels us up and allows us to know that it's time well spent that's actually creating change because that is why we're here. So with that, um, thank you everybody for the time. Brennan, until next time, brother, thank you so much for the time. Look forward to catching up soon. Hey, my pleasure, Blake. Hey guys, one last thing. I'm super excited that this new podcast, The Live by Design, just went live. You see, I designed the show to bring you inspired thoughts and fascinating conversations with the world's most impactful people, to provide transformative principles and practices to help you wake up, move toward your meant to, and feel fully alive. And I'd love for you to help me spread the word now. Simply subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on this platform right now. So if I've ever given you value, please do me this personal favor and go subscribe now. And if you found today's episode helpful in any way, make sure you share this with at least one friend today. You have the power right now to change someone's day. So send them a text message with a link to alivebydesign.com or simply copy and paste the link right from this podcast platform. Who's one person you know right now that you want to see succeed, that you want to see grow, that you want to see feel more alive? Shoot them a text with your largest takeaway from today and be a light in their day. And if you were referred here by a friend, make sure you shoot them a text back and say thank you. I'd love to hear from you directly on what you got from today's podcast. So if you're up for it, drop by my Instagram at Blake Mallon and shoot me a DM. And as always, thank you for showing up. I'm grateful for you. And I hope our time together today in some small way helped you feel a little more alive. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.